Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Be Brownback. Today, I have the absolute honor and pleasure of hosting Laurie Caposa, a friend that we made in Pittsburgh, a person that I really admire. And she's going to tell us about her journey into going from hands-on IT to CIO and five lessons that she learned along the way. Uh, just some, some uh, minor housekeeping things. Uh, we want you to get in on the conversation, you know, talk to us on Twitter. We have several ways for you to get a hold of us in Spanish, in Portuguese, in English, in possibly German, Emia. <laughs> you can find us uh, at the account, or you can find us through the Twitter hashtag, um, hashtag be brown bag. You can see we have other channels. We have, I would say the US is the most um, consistent channel. But if you are interested in giving the Be Brown Bag yourself, just reach out to us. And with that, I'll let Laurie introduce herself. I'll stop sharing. I always forget to introduce myself. My name is Ariel Sanchez at Ariel Sanchez Moore. If you need anything, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm going to stop my share, switch it over to Laurie. And that way we can actually get to the star of the show. <laughs> Thank you, Ariel. Um, so, uh, hi, I'm uh, Lori Caposa, and I'd like to start off uh, today with a little bit about my background and why I'm here. So this is my background. I've worked in help desk. I've been a systems administrator, application administrator, IT director, and I'm currently the CIO at Carlo. And as for the reasons why I'm here today, there are two. We've got Ariel and Ferris. <laughs> And obviously Ariel doesn't need any introduction, but he's my absolute favorite Tam and one of the best people I know. Um, and I'm really happy to be here um, to do this. And the second reason, Ferris. Uh, Ferris helps to run the local Pittsburgh VMUGS. One day Ferris slid into my Twitter DMs and asked if I would do a talk for a local chapter of the, the VMUGS. And if you don't know Ferris, I'll introduce you later. He ended up giving me the topic that we're talking about today, which was hands-on to C-suite lessons learned. Cool, I said. <laughs> and then I sat down to write this talk and literally nothing comes to mind. Why, after 20 years of an IT career, can I not think of a single lesson learned or even think of myself as someone who could impart even a tiny bit of wisdom? I look at all of your Twitter accounts and I follow all of your social media and I see all of these super smart, accomplished, deeply technical people with these amazing backgrounds. And I think to myself, what could somebody like me even possibly have to offer you? And then it hit me. I'm sus. I'm an imposter. I mean, obviously I can do the job. I've been doing it with some amount of success and positive reinforcement for years. And yet there's always that little voice in the back of my head saying, you're not supposed to be here. If studies are correct, I'm not alone in this. At least one out of every two of us has it. Imposter syndrome in tech is so prevalent that a survey amongst FANG employees showed that 58% experienced this phenomenon. I did the same survey and the same talk at the VMUG and it was even higher. I've noticed in employees with imposter syndrome and in myself that in the short term, they can be ultra high performing employees 
which doesn't sound so bad. But in an industry that is so rife with burnout already, it can accelerate or exacerbate that issue, which we already know runs high. It can also present itself in other ways, like individualism, perfectionism, which ends up ultimately standing in the way of progress or employees even being unable to work in a team because they feel they must do everything themselves. I may or may not fall into one of those categories, which leads me to that first lesson learned. No one knows everything. Knowing that you don't know everything can make you a really valuable asset. It's okay to say you don't know, and it's okay to not know. It's okay to tell users or customers you don't know, as long as you do go find the answer. It's okay for your staff to not know, and it's okay to be vulnerable and to be human. In fact, I'd prefer an employee that admitted that they didn't know over one who pretended, or worse thought, wrongly that they did. So much of life in tech is people looking to you for answers. They call the help desk when they have a problem. They call the help desk manager when they have a problem. They call the infrastructure admin, the technician, the representative, and incidentally, they still call the CIO when they have a problem. People look to you as an authority, as the person with the answers. My advice is to share the information. Share it as freely and as widely as you can. Document it. Teach people what you know and let them teach you. There's some amount of imposter in all of us, which is an ego-driven issue. Understanding and acknowledging these things can only serve to make you a better listener, a better advocate, and a better technician. To the person experiencing this feeling, just know that it can foster a growth mindset if you let it. As a people manager, it means looking out for your staff's mental health, balancing their priorities, empowering them to just say no to useless meetings or to projects that aren't valuable, and reinforcing the philosophy that people are more important than work. If you had told me 20 years ago that I would be the CIO of anything, or literally even an IT for that matter, I would not only have laughed hysterically, but also probably would have told you that you've lost your mind. Equine occupational therapy and groom, not getting married kind, waitress, bartender, these were all different jobs that I had before moving into IT. And for me, they all had one thing in common, and it was helping people. I also incidentally love efficiency and data. But all of the above jobs that I listed had elements of the idea of helping people and efficiency. You can superimpose skills that I use every day from each of those occupations, now as a CIO, five years ago as a director, 10 years ago as a systems admin, and 15 years ago as a help desk technician. These are universally transferable skills, which leads me to lesson learned number two. Talent isn't in your background or your education. Tech moves too fast to count on those alone. I've worked with professionals with multiple illustrious certifications that were completely ineffective in real world scenarios. And to be fair, I should also mention that I've worked with professionals with no certificates who are equally ineffective. But the best people that I've worked with have a few common traits. I'm here to tell you that the willingness to learn, 
a drive for continuous improvement, and an ability to communicate can be worth more than elite certificates, schools, or degrees. Try not to judge a technician by their credentials, and in fact, just try not to judge people. Assess them with an eye on what they want and their drive to accomplish it. A background in bartending doesn't mean they aren't amazing at tech, and a background in tech doesn't mean they can't make a mean martini. We've all seen some toxic competitive outcomes, and I attribute many of these to a deep-seated insecurity that seems to be even higher and more common in tech. So I'm going to go ahead and say this, and while I'm sure I don't need to tell you, other people's success does not diminish your own value. And I think it's especially true in industries that are so highly competitive and fast paced, like IT. But because it is also such a huge field, I mean massively, infinitely huge, you simply cannot be a specialist in everything. So there's always gonna be that little bit of imposter in us that thinks that we need to be better than the other guy or girl or person just to prove ourselves that we're competent. You don't. You need to be able to work with that other person. Studies have proven that a team with mediocre talent can get more accomplished better than a team of geniuses. Why? Because when we're comfortable and safe, we take chances. We innovate, we create synergy. And I know that sounds like a buzzword, but if you really think about it, do you practice your V brown bag presentation with strangers or do you do it with people that you know and trust will support you? Even when you say stupid things or make bad jokes. Innovation comes from a place where you have to know that it's okay to fail. In order for it to be okay to fail, you have to not worry that your livelihood or future career growth depend on one brainstorming session or your most recent failure. You don't have to be an organizational leader to embody this. You can do this in any job at any stage in life. If you take with you the need to lift others up so that in the end, their success is not your failure, it's your success too. See people for who you are and what you can learn from them and how you can help them grow. Every single person you encounter has something to teach you. And this isn't specific to tech, but it's kind of a life philosophy. In a professional setting as a technician, learning about the jobs the rest of the staff in your company do makes you a tome of knowledge. Used properly, this knowledge can make you an indispensable change manager and help you solution architect the crap out of some problems. A bonus points if that component already exists in your tech portfolio which leads me to lesson number three. Speaking of tech solutions and portfolios, trying to solve people problems with technology will inevitably result in disaster. I've seen a lot of operational struggles simply because leadership was trying to solve what was a personnel problem with technology. And I'll give you the simplest example. Management comes to you asking if they can get logs of an employee's computer because they aren't getting their work done and perhaps asking questions about monitoring activity on computers. The reason that person is asking for those things is most likely because productivity is being impacted. Instead of trying to circumvent the user and control them with technology, the answer to that question and to that statement is always to have the management moment with the employee. If the work isn't getting done, don't try to prove it with technical solutions, but with a people-focused approach. Obviously, this is a simplified example and it doesn't happen all that often. What I do see more often though, is that an organization makes a significant investment in software. 
and then fail to utilize it fully or well. Examples, they buy Excel and never learn how to use a formula or even autofill. Or they buy an ERP and never bother to figure out reporting. If you extrapolate that out into the organization in a variety of ways, from users not knowing how to fully utilize the applications your organization has already invested in, you end up with a myriad of problems, including decentralized systems, data repositories that nobody knows about, operational cracks that can literally spread until you've got a completely unscalable, siloed, and disconnected operations backbone running a company. This can end up feeling insurmountable. There's no one in an organization better suited to running that project than IT. IT knows the tools, or should, and if you are paying attention to lesson number one, you'll know that you have a pretty good understanding of the operational processes required for each position and will indeed be able to assist your organization in ways that no other person can because you'll understand the challenges of each role that each user faces in your organization. Building on lessons one and two, it's important to ask those stupid questions, and I put stupid in quotes. Make sure you understand the problem and the business requirements and don't make assumptions that people understand those. The end user perspective and the story behind each solution or problem is so important if you can get to the root of it. If you do that, you'll be better able to understand the problem and therefore create a custom and practical solution that can be adapted by the end users because it literally solves an issue that they suffer from. And you can demonstrate how it makes their lives better, which makes change management even easier. This winds up creating a consensus. Consensus builds excitement and support and buy-in, ownership, and ultimately trust. And these create a great relationship for future implementations and between the business and IT. Which leads me to lesson number four. Users. Even if the BOFH is your alter ego, and let's not pretend most, if not all of you, haven't dreamt of at least a few of those instances of petty revenge or malicious, malicious compliance. You have to admit that no matter what, IT wouldn't be IT if it weren't for the users. The reason most of us have jobs and they're the ones we work for. To be clear, I don't just mean the end user working in Word. Your end user might be another tech, it might be management who relies on the ability to gather data to make decisions, or it might be someone in accounting. And don't get me wrong, if someone in accounting wants local admin rights, I'm not saying that you should do that, and you absolutely shouldn't. But do know that the servers you build, the policies you create, the security you implement, the software you install, the backups you take, and the strategies that you employ matter. And sometimes it's easy to forget this, and it's the day-to-day -day grind. But if you take a step back and really look at all this really amazing things that you can help a company accomplish, all of the ways your knowledge can contribute, it's really special and unique to IT. What I am saying is that we, the collective we, implement, support, maintain, and make possible not only making certain jobs feasible, but can literally be the differentiating factor in a business succeeding or failing. Envisioning two identical companies with identical employees. Company A has motivated, knowledgeable, thoughtful, 
user-centric and communicative IT department. Company B has motivated and knowledgeable IT. All else being equal, which do you think will garner a competitive advantage? Which do you think will empower users to use the tools the business is invested in, thereby increasing efficiency, efficacy, and ROI? Which will fully realize the potential that they have and which will have a better time doing it? Understanding user stories isn't just for developers. It's for technicians, it's for management, it's for strategic planning, and it's for executives. It's for IT people and it's for the entire business. If you're a C-level going after business changing philosophies and competitive advantage opportunities, then looking into your IT department for those insights will serve you well. Understanding the struggles of your technical staff on an operational level will actually illuminate more about your growth capacity and future health than most people realize. Which brings me to lesson number five. I've worked in many organizations and talked to even more. Some leadership felt IT was important enough to have at the table, some didn't. And while it's becoming more and more common, it is still a debate. The lesson here is that IT belongs at every table where decisions are being made. It's up to your CIO or IT executive to understand the full impact of said decision and to communicate that back to the same table. IT supports literally everything and the relationship is entirely codependent. Something all technicians know and many businesses fail to realize is that their entire future literally depends upon the technical decisions made on a day in and day out basis. And the leadership in many organizations tend to make decisions with huge technical impacts without understanding the implications to make those a reality. You all know what I'm talking about. And I think having been hands-on, supporting users, implementing solutions, making decisions, deciding on strategy, the thing that I've taken away from that is that the buy-in from leadership and leadership having some level of understanding and ownership means that IT can very competently translate their goals into a language that tech can actually support. So it's okay to invite yourself to the table. The worst thing they can say is no, you should be there. It's important, no matter what your product or service, that you are interfacing with the business and the customer on a regular basis. And this is true no matter what position you're in, whether it be the help desk level or the management level. Consultants and salespeople will always tell you, yes, we can do that, always. And no offense to anyone here, because that's literally your job. You enable what the client wants within the parameters of your product or scope. And this is where the responsibility really falls on the client and oftentimes where I see implementations fail. If the client representatives that the consultants are interfacing with are people who don't have any idea what the downstream impacts of a decision are, then they cannot fully weigh the cost of that decision. And this is where oftentimes I see the utilization of those consultants or products fail. And this is where I think a technical background becomes a valuable asset Understanding from the outset what the business value is and the effort required to make that a reality or to operationalize it means that you can make better decisions. Ultimately, what I'm doing from the hands-on to CIO perspective, people management isn't for everyone. And honestly, if you love hands-on IT, I don't know if the management is where you'll be happy. 
But my advice to anyone looking to move from tech into the management side of the world is to learn the business side of the house and become an end user advocate. This will create a fantastic combination that enables you to truly become a partner that can support any organization's strategic objectives. And to summarize pretty much everything that I've talked about, tech is nothing without the people that make it turn, the users, the supporters, the implementers, and the decision makers. Thank you. That was pretty awesome. And you had me thinking and thinking at each one of them. I only have one comment, and that is that I want to see this presentation in two or three years when, when you have you know, gotten, gotten a little more of these because the, each one of them is so good. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So what do you, what do you think has changed? I mean, you gave this presentation, I want to say uh, April maybe? Yeah. And is there anything that you feel more strongly about or less significantly so? Has anything changed? Because I tell you, COVID, COVID has, to have, has to have been one of those situations where you value your people more, but you value like their skill set and their honesty. Their, I'm, I'm thinking about number one, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you laid it out so beautifully that I'm still in shock. I, I, I really enjoy this presentation. I'm so happy that I recorded it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, these are things that I have always kind of thought about tangentially, you know, in all of the different positions that I've had. And that's why when I was thinking about this presentation in general, I think the thing that makes um, me me, if you will, is that I always, always, always think about the operational side of the strategic plan. Mm -hmm. And that could be a deficit, but it might not be. And really- I, I, I think it's working. <laughs> I think it's working too. I think my staff would agree that it's probably working. Um, you, can, you can ask them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, it's really, really hit home for me. COVID for so many IT departments and for MSPs and for vendors was a complete wake up call. But in a lot of ways, we're now doing things every day that IT was already doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's already so many distributed IT teams that are working remotely. What difference does it make if they're at their house or in an office? So I think all of these have just kind of gotten more, I've narrowed them down more and more to exactly what it is that I think is important within those mm -hmm. five things. And, um, you know, a tech is hard. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah. hard on people's mental health. And, um, and, you know, and like you, you put out very, very, very well, uh, tech is not there for tech's sake, right? Tech is here for, to solve business problems and to solve user problems and to help the company progress. And, you know, COVID was a, was a great moment for tech. We were able mm -hmm. to show that people could work remotely and, and still be valuable in companies. I mean, the stock market went very well. Companies, yeah. sure, some went under, but a lot of companies actually made more money because they didn't have to pay for travel accommodations and all these other things. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and you know, mental health definitely got a boost. People were able to be a little more with their, with their families instead of getting early to commute and coming home late, so. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it was, it was really um, a relief to be able to work from home, but for other people, you know, there are some people who were 
working in tech and teaching kids school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's stressful. And then, you know, to be home and on lockdown and, and all of that is, is tough. It's not easy. So, and I think being sensitive to that is a little bit harder remotely, but it's easy if you open up that line of communication and you've already established that type of a culture. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stop the recording here. We do have some people that have joined the call, but I'm going to let them you know, say hi and stuff over the microphone. I think this is good enough. And right after this, we can just have a little, a little chat and then we'll, we'll be able to send you home. Everybody, <laughs> just I want to leave for the record that Lori drove to her office <laughs> to give us this presentation. She had lost power at her house and she said, no, I'm not canceling. This is the kind of woman that she is. So, <laughs> love it. Thank you, Lori, again. I'll start recording okay. now.